The origins of voodoo are uncertain. However, it's a general belief that it comes from Western Africa. That being said, it seems to come up again and again, and sometimes frightening, almost horror-like background in histories and films. Hundreds of accounts of TV and silver screen legends. We are going to dive in and explore a little bit of the history of voodoo. That voodoo that you do so well. Ooh, voodoo. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So one thing I, I want to say before we, we delve too deeply into the topic of voodoo. One, I want to say we both respect that it is a recognized religion, so we don't want to... Absolutely. We don't want to feel like we're, we're insulting any practitioners. That here, is right? not our intent at all. I think we're, we're trying to, to present some, some information, and that's our, it's never our intent to, to never. insult or, or you know anything like that. So we, we do take it very seriously. We're not trying to insult anybody. Secondly, I want to say we're probably going to screw up some pronunciations. Absolutely. And we do understand that voodoo is not the absolute name for some of these things. Yes. So, but we're going to say voodoo because it works better for us. We're going to take a very novice, unprofessional yes. uh, attempt to explain uh, some of the practices but, of voodoo. But some of the and, things as they're represented can be a little chilling, a little unsettling to those people who are unfamiliar absolutely, with voodoo. Absolutely. Well said. I think it's an accepted belief that voodoo, which has evolved through the decades and even centuries, originates from somewhere in Western Africa. In particular, it seems to come up with an area called Benin in Africa. The word voodoo itself means spirit in the local Fon language of Africa. And the foundations of the religion and practice stems from ancient traditions and essentially worshiping with associated ancestors with the utmost deepest respect. Honestly, you strip away all the glamour, if you will, of horror films and, and all of that. At this point in time, this is a very humble religion in my in my belief. Uh, very traditional in the fact with uh, some Spanish and, and other religions. Um, very honorable to ancestors who have passed upon you know before us and the belief that you can learn from their mistakes and that they would be friendly and come forward from the dead and share information and help you uh, i mean come on that's that's big that's that's huge well i think what what a lot of people consider voodoo what we would call voodoo now is uh developed in, in haiti between the 16th and 19th centuries and it was uh, arose from the combining of traditional religions of Western Africa with the slave trade uh, and those of Roman Catholicism. And like you said, focused on the veneration of what they call the Loa, mm -hmm. which are or ancestor spirits. Spirits, basically. Uh, 
So it, it is very much about focused on your ancestors and, and they become spiritual powers unto themselves. Mm-hmm. So. And they're there to guide as any ancestor, uh, you know, especially father, mother figure, grandparent figure would be wanting the best for their family and, and the followers. I kind of imagine it as this giant tree with that being the foundation. And then, as you stated, somewhere between the 16th and 19th century with the whole slave trade and everything, the branch kind of veers dramatically off. And when African slaves were brought into America to work on the plantations and such, they obviously brought voodoo with them, their religion, their beliefs, as anyone would. And their white masters in the Americas, however, had their own plans regarding and the, the religious practices of the slaves. And actually in 1685, there was a law that prohibited the practice of African religions entirely. And, and that may have been what spurred the incorporating Roman Catholicism. So Force-feeding that, basically. It's sort of similar to, uh, was it the Brazilian, well, well, kind of a comparison would be the Brazilian martial art of Copiera, which is a dance-based martial arts system because the the masters the people in charge of that point in time outlawed you know training official training in combat and martial arts mm-hmm. and so they hid it within their traditional dances it has to go underground basically yeah and the masters the slave masters and stuff as you said they they basically push this christianizing of the slaves and they actually had in the law that you had 8 days from the time that you, say, arrived from Haiti as a slave, you had eight days to convert the slave to Christianity, basically. Uh, this is a; These people are a proud people. They had this religion. It's their ancestry. You're asking them to cut ties and basically say this doesn't exist. So as you stated, we're force-feeding Christianity. The Catholic religion basically kind of becomes in. And so they find a way to adapt and kind of melt this all together. And that's where I think a lot of it gets confusing, but very interesting. Well, you have this, I don't want to know, I don't want to say romanticized, but definitely this this Hollywood version of voodoo that is all dark and evil and for bad purposes, mm-hmm. which is not what voodoo is all about. No, it's kind of like, and I hate to even go this far, but like the whole vampire craze. Uh, with the silver screen, you know, they've romanticized a lot of this. Uh, I'm not saying there's not some good versions out there, but a lot of it, it's it's more over the top. Now, I will say, uh, if you've watched American Horror Story, The Coven, I think that was season three or season four, that takes place in New Orleans. I think that actually came up in some of my research uh, on the Loas. It's a lot of good references, in my opinion. Um, you've got, a, obviously, Marie Laveau is, is in the show. Uh, Papa Legba, who we're going to talk about here a little bit later. Um, one of the things I, I found in my research with the show, and they always said that you know the, the the producers of American Horror Story do a lot of research and they try to you know put in little Easter eggs, if you will. One of the things I thought was interesting is Marie Laveau actually was a type of what we would consider a beautician today, hairdresser, and in the show they put that in there. Uh, even though it was a little bit more modern age, uh, recreated Marie Laveau. She actually had a hairdressing salon. You know, little tidbits like that I, I thought was pretty interesting. But yeah, they've romanticized it, but they've they've almost taken it over the top to a point where it is 
extremely scary. And and that being said, I think with any religion, it should be, as we stated, very respected and honored. And a lot of people will tell you if this, you don't go into any religion, especially this one being light of heart. Uh, you better know what you're doing because it's kind of like whatever your beliefs may be, spirit boards or whatever. If you don't understand what you're doing, it would be easily to get thrown off kelter and who knows what could happen. We've talked about the Loas, so I want to touch on that a little bit. We kind of we can we we can explain what that is, uh, but they they pop up in Haitian and Louisiana voodoo, uh, often referred to as the mysteries or the invisibles. The Loas act as intermediaries between um, Bondi, which would be French for the good god, uh, which you know the practitioners view as the supreme creator, uh, who lives at a distance from humanity. Uh, the Loas act as an intermediary between Bondi and humanity. They are not prayed to, like you'd see in in a lot of other religions, but they are more. I mean, we more like serve them, serve them, uh, offer them offerings, mm-hmm. respect them. Uh, each each Loa has a very distinct personality. Their likes and their dislikes, their appearance, mm-hmm. the things that they are responsible for. Right. They are specifically not deities, though. They are ancestor spirits. Now, uh, practitioners uh, typically participate in an initiation ritual that involves meeting in a temple run by priests known as Hungans. And again, I'm going to say we're probably going to get some Got a bunch of a few words, yeah. Bear with us. Or priests known as Mambos, and they venerate the Loas. One of the central rituals involves drumming, singing, and dancing to encourage possession by one of the Loa. Uh, through this possession, practitioners believe they can communicate directly with the Loas. So they'll make offerings of fruit, blood of sacrificed animals, things like that. It sounds a lot grim. You know, again, mm-hmm. you, you talk about sacrifice. That always kind of throws a flag up in some people's minds. But they, it they do it with the utmost of respect. It does. But, yes, if you if you strip away the stigmata of it, let's face it, blood is the direct source to life and the you know the direct tie to a lot of that. That's where a lot of that comes from. But And modern practitioners of voodoo are primarily found in Haiti. Although we do have communities in, in other parts of the Americas. And as Americans, we, we definitely think of New Orleans when we think Absolutely. of Absolutely. Uh, it has faced much opposition and criticism throughout its history. And it is re- voodoo is repeatedly described as one of the world's most misunderstood religions. And I think a lot of that is because it's kind of a melting pot. It has evolved and had to evolve under pressure so many times through the generations. And again, I think, you know, you talk about a religion that has sacrifice and, and the like, you know, the, the repressed European mindset, you're definitely going to look down on that. And especially when you consider the origins from West Africa, mm-hmm. I, I can... I can see, you know, historically speaking, why people would would want to sh- shy away and, well, and shun practitioners. It's human instinct. What we don't understand, we often shun away or fear or, you know, post a stigmata against. But you also have to remember, as we were saying, when the slavery trade was really big between the 14th and 16th century, the slaves were being brought to America. They were being force-fed Christianity. They were trying to embed to keep their ways alive, maybe masked, to a point where I found references. uh, Many of the Catholic saints uh, were actually identified with traditional voodoo spirits, uh, taking a double meaning kind of. A lot of them are rolled in with the the Loa. Um, St. Peter is actually recognized as Papa Legba, which, again, the name comes up. 
as the gatekeeper to the spirit world. And while St. Patrick is associated uh, with another god, I believe, and I will butcher this, Dumlala, uh, the snake uh, god or spirit. Now, Papa Legba, we'd mentioned a little bit, he's, I think, a very interesting loa or spirit in the religion. Uh, His origin story comes from the Fawn people of the Dahomey, Africa area. And he is the guardian trickster of the gates of all crossroads. And as it was explained in a couple interviews that I was watching, imagine every highway, every road, whether it be a country gravel road to an interstate, to railroad tracks, any type of road he would be in control of. So anything that flows, he's going to know about. That's his prominence yeah, that's he, his territory he stands at the spiritual crossroads and he's also uh he gives or denies permission to speak with the spirits of the dead mm-hmm. uh, facilitates communication speech and understanding part of his trickster nature is that he does love riddles uh and no one can speak to spirits without first off giving him an offering right right he, he is very much about the communication with the dead He's often depicted as being wearing skull makeup, uh, smoking a cigar, top hat, uh, as you said, very prankster-ish, almost kind of Loki in another religion or like a genie would be. You have to be very specific with your request because with him being the trickster nature, he'll try to turn that against and use that to teach you lessons. He oftentimes is represented as carrying a cane with that cane representing the gateway between the human world and the heavens. We talked about offerings. He's especially fond of coffee or cane syrup, but sometimes just simply acknowledging him and asking him to open that door of communication is enough. Again, he's sort of fickle and trickstery. Mm-hmm. Now, one of one of the, the versions, you mentioned something about a, a top hat. Um, there are other versions that have him wearing a broad brim straw hat and uh, smoking a pipe, which... Your description kind of crosses over a little bit into Baron Samedi. With the Baron Samedi. Which I think we'll cover here in a moment. Which often kind of fade across. If you don't really understand the differences, they can seem to be very similar. Now, Papa Legba has popped up in popular culture. So uh, if you're familiar with Neil, Neil Gaiman's American Gods, mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett's Witches Abroad, and of course the series American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. The Coven. Now, one of the things I came across is... Uh, The different loas also, if you dig into it, are associated with different traits, as you said, different uh, responsibilities, but also they're given a special day. Uh, Papa Legba, for example, is associated with Mondays. So if you were a practitioner, it would be best if if you were utilizing him, or maybe I should say if he picked you. That's one of the things in the religion is you don't just necessarily go out and, and, and pick your loa. It's, they're all very different and often they will pick you, but you would probably have the best luck with, uh, Papa Legba doing sacrifices, doing offerings, trying to summon him on a Monday, uh, where the Baron, as we mentioned, he is, uh, associated with Saturday. So obviously to get the best results on that, you would contact him on Saturday. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, well, since we're, we're bearing over to the Baron. Uh, Baron Samedi is, is a loa of the dead, um, typically depicted wearing a top hat, black tailcoat, dark glasses, with cotton plugs in his nostrils. This resembles the Haitian burial preparations. So he looks like a man prepped for, for burial. 
uh, frequently depicted as either a skeleton or a man with skeletal face paint. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that depiction of, of that character. The the villain in Disney's Princess and the Frog is right. very, you know, heavily inspired by the Baron. Right. Uh, he's noted for disruption, obscenity, debauchery, <laughs> and having a fondness for tobacco and rum. So he's... Often drunk. Yeah. Um, this is where in a lot of the practices you may see they'll take in rum or alcohol and spew it out and yeah, a very flamboyant party person if you will now uh the baron is the only one of the lowest that can accept an individual into the realms of the dead and spends most time in the realm of, of voodoo spirits which there, there's a name for that that i again would butcher if i tried to read it he's notorious for his outrageous behavior like i said a moment ago swearing continuously making filthy jokes to the other spirits and at their expense <laughs> and he's married to a another powerful voodoo loa um, Mammon Bridget. Uh, she is also a death loa, who's also considered to be the only aloa that originates from Ireland. And that totally threw me over the cliff. I was I had to read that two or three times to make sure I was reading it correctly. Yeah. Uh, now she cares for the dead more than they were ever cared for while they were alive is one of her traits, and always respects those who respect the dead. Now, true to form, Baron Samiti, though married to Bridget. He uh, often tends to chase after mortal women when when they catch his fancy. Very Zeus-like. Now, he he will often be found at the crossroads between the worlds of the dead and the living. Uh, He'll make deals with mortals who want his power or that he he takes a fancy to. He's also seen as a loa of resurrection and of life. He's a giver of life. Uh, Can cure mortals of their diseases and their wounds as long as he thinks it's worth his time. Uh, And it's one of his main responsibilities is to ensure that corpses rot in the ground to stop them from coming back as zombies as zombies which again is one of the things very much associated with voodoo i came across some research and this goes back over to the africa area there is actually what they call zombie dust this is factual unsure what makes up zombie dust and quite honestly it seems to vary from tribes now i know one particular story i heard involved uh was it pufferfish? Yes. Poison fugu? Yes. I think it's probably whatever they have, you know, at their access. But some form of the zombie dust is a powdered form of whatever concoctions. And it is blown into the face of the victim. And it seems to be... I can't think of any other way to explain this, but it is definitely more of an aggressive act. Uh, this is not the docile type that we were talking about, but people who might oppose the religion well, of voodoo we, we talked resist about, it. We talked about Hongans uh, and Mambos as the priests and priestesses of voodoo. Typically, uh, zombies would be reanimated by a bokor or... Like a, a dark practitioner of voodoo. Yes. The, this is the, the person, black magic. Yeah, this the is dark the person magic. you turn to when you want to curse or something like that. In the research, they would blow this zombie dust like into the face of the victim, and they would immediately fall sick or possibly even pass out and fiend death. Uh, basically, people would think they were dead. The dark magic practitioners then would arrange to have them buried. Yep. Uh, and then within a set specific amount of time, they would be dug up because obviously they are still alive, but severe brain damage and trauma would occur 
if nothing else, just from the stress of being buried alive, but yeah. from whatever concoctions at, they inhaled. At that point, they're they're supposed to be under the complete control of the Bokor as yes. a personal slave with no will of their own. And it's kind of like you've done permanent brain damage to this person, and yeah, they become, they might have been an unbeliever, they may have opposed the religion, uh, resented it, but now they're basically full-blown followers that don't question anything, mindless zombies to every aspect of the definition, and would be inducted basically into the cult, if you will. Now, uh, something I found interesting I, in, what, in my research here is reference to the incorporeal zombie, or the zombie astral. Hmm. Uh, and that's that's when a, a Bokor captures a part of the human soul to enhance his spiritual power. Uh, which he can take what they call the zombie astral and, and seal it away in a bottle. or And uh, then the Bokor could either keep that or he could sell it to someone. And they could use that for, for prosperity, good luck, you know, fortune and business. Um, but eventually it was believed that God would come back to reclaim that soul. Like that was, so the zombie astral was a temporary good luck charm, if you will. Huh. Um, and the two types of zombie reflect the soul, the uh, what they call the soul dualism present in, in voodoo, which is that you have the soul of the, f or the, yeah, you have the soul of the flesh and the soul of the spirit. So the, the physical zombie, the one that comes up from the grave is a body missing spirit. And then the zombie astral is a spirit missing its body. Okay. okay. So it represents that duality that they say is part of voodoo. Gotcha. Now, another figure I think we have to talk about, when you talk about voodoo, especially the New Orleans lore, is Marie Laveau. Uh, probably one of the best known, at least in the American version, of uh, the practitioner or religion of voodoo. Uh, now, she created a, a, quite a following. She was even depicted and given the title of as the Queen of Voodoo. Um, still to this day, her grave uh, is decorated, adorned, people leave offerings, uh, often they will use the symbol of an X that they will put on her crypt. And that would be like a, a wish that they had asked, a favor that they had asked. And then the belief is the person, if they got their wish granted or she helped them from the dead, they would come back and circle the X. So it's kind of a living monument, if you will, uh, of her powers and her being able to help uh, the followers. Now, she also came up with one of her creations and I, I, I will probably butcher this, but gri-gri bags. They're kind of a yeah. red bag or a pouch. Um, they usually have a mix of herbs or items that are considered blessed by a voodoo priest or priestess. Uh, so if you go to New Orleans, you might come across these and may not know the purpose of them, but it's typically depicted as like a red velvet bag, a, a small pouch, uh, and that would be something that you would leave an offering or purchase, and that would be good luck, a good luck piece, a lucky rabbit's foot, if you will. Uh, Marie Laveau, obviously New Orleans' most infamous or famous uh, voodoo practitioner. And in a lot of the practices, uh, kind of as I dove in or went down the rabbit hole to investigate, to summon or to speak to a lot of these uh, loas or death spirits, you would go to a doorway inside of a house, a building, and a voodoo priest or priestess might help you with some candles and some offerings as you try to make contact. I did stumble upon something. New Orleans voodoo practitioners, there are supposedly seven 
uh, portals to the spirit realm. Okay. Practitioners of voodoo in, in New Orleans supposedly believe that these seven portals are physical locations in the city of New Orleans. Gotcha. Okay. Well, one of the practices as you enter any building, you are to knock on the door, whether anyone's there or not. And that is a sign of respect to the spirits that live or reside in that building. But getting back to the doorway aspect, candles are lit, offerings are made. If you are asking to communicate with someone from the dead, you are to go reverse and step through the doorway backwards. And you might say, well, now why is that? Because spirits are often associated with mirrors, so it's a reverse image. And by you walking backwards through the doorway, that is almost like you are accepting that and you're immersing yourself, stepping back into their realm, if you will. I thought that was interesting. Now, I will say that when we talked about doing a voodoo episode, my interest in in voodoo actually started a very long time ago, my teenage years. You know, we talk of voodoo pops up quite often in, in pop culture and the like. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but there was a video game series called Gabriel Knight. I have not. Uh, the first one was called Sins of the Fathers. And it features the character Gabriel Knight, a struggling novelist who uh, was working with the police in New Orleans to help solve the quote-unquote voodoo murders. Now, in the original game, a little bit of trivia, he was voiced by Tim Curry. Mm. And then the likes of Mark Hamill and, and whatnot did voices. But this was a, a point-and-click adventure game, uh, like your King's Quest or, or something like that. When when we were playing this game, I, I didn't have a lot of patience for point-and-click adventure games. I was more of a <laughs> Doom, Castle Wolfenstein kind of guy. But if you look through the book, it had a list of, of books that were inspiration for the game. And one of those books was called Spirits of the Night, the Vaudun Gods of Haiti. Whether you believe in coincidence, kismet, however you want to phrase it, uh, I, I joined a book club in my my early you know when, or late teens when I started working, and one of the f- first catalogs I got had that exact book in it, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Uncanny. So I immediately ordered it, read through it. Of course, learned you know voodoo is is an, as learned a lot about voodoo with the the loas being a form of you know, uh, ancestor worship and, and things like that. So I, I had actually done a lot of reading. Well, I would say a lot of reading. I've read at least one book <laughs> on voodoo before we got here. But it definitely, you know, when when we do any topic on this show, if you can find a book that will talk about it, it's going to go way more in-depth than we, we do. We're just scratching the surface. Very much, yeah. But, like, that particular book, I mean, I think it went page by page describing different loas and their, their realms of influence and – how to, you know, give what offerings to give them. And there are hundreds. Yeah, and, and they each have their own customized symbol to represent them that you would use if you were going to make an altar or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, here you have this video game that just kind of popped up out of the blue, and I see one book title, and then... Boom, boom. You know, like, months later, a year later, whatever, I see that book pop up, so I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And again, that's how most of my education in these topics you know i I find a book and i just find it interesting you know and that book i'll I'll admit is a very dry read it's like a it's more of a research more of an academic text yeah but it's still very interesting if if you have an interest in this kind of thing i'm not sure if that book can still be found but i'm sure there are dozens of other books at at least that are very similar if you wanted to to dig into it a little deeper one of the things i did come across trying to find something more up to date um a little bit more on the on the edgy side. And I didn't have to look too far. I actually found um, there was a young lady, 19 years of age, 
Her name was Kat Reston of uh, the Virginia Beach area. And she and her girlfriend had uh, been together for, it sounded like, a period of time and, and had broken up. And her girlfriend, who I did not catch her name, uh, was a practitioner of voodoo. And so the, the scorned Kat Reston, um, for whatever reason, decided she wanted to use voodoo and try to ask the spirits to get the two of them back together. Now, uh, this occurred April 29th of this year, of 2020, so very, very recent. Uh, newspaper articles carried it. Uh, you can find it quite easily on the, on the net. Uh, again, it's the Virginia Beach area. But she had supposedly burned a voodoo doll, which, again, that's kind of a stereotypical you associate with voodoo as a pincushion doll. But she had burned a voodoo doll and attempts to summon what was being called as Papa Legba. And we've talked a little bit about Papa Legba. I was say, just from, from what we've discussed, Papa Legba would be the wrong person to talk exactly. to. Unless the girlfriend had passed away. No, she has not. Uh, that was my belief. But it's what happened next. She, she did this. She didn't think anything happened. Uh, and again, from what I understood, she herself was not a voodoo practitioner. She just kind of dove into it. Uh, she did ask around uh, on some things, and she was told, like I mentioned earlier, with any religion or with anything you do, if you don't know what you're doing, do your research. Don't just jump off of a cliff. Um, but within, I believe it was two days after this event, they found her body dead. And they proclaimed it as unknown reasoning. Now, later... A full-blown autopsy was required. The family didn't want an autopsy at first, as I understood it. Uh, she was found in a bathtub and apparently had a heart attack. Now, 19 years old, seemingly That's mighty early for a heart healthy attack. young lady, uh, in a bath, which is generally relaxing, uh, passes away two days after this. And, of course, the newspapers ran with this. And literally, like one of the titles was... Uh, Papa Legba kills voodoo practitioner. I mean, it was. But again, you know, just for doesn't what add up. Here, Papa Legba would not have been the guy to do that. Does not add up at all. But uh, you know, maybe I mean, she's meddling in things she doesn't understand. She's maybe opening doors she doesn't intend to open. So. Right now, some people did speculate possibly it was the Baron. Uh, again, Papa Legba and the Baron seem to kind of fade in and out, kind of gray areas, especially with the Hollywood aspect of it. Um, he is the keeper and decides who comes basically through the, the gates of death and who comes through and who communicates. Um, so some of the voodoo practitioners in the area actually kind of rose up and they're like, this is not Papa Legba. We know Papa Legba and this, this is not his yeah. style. This could be the Baron or she summoned something totally unbeknown that she didn't know what she was getting into. Um, but you know, it's this type of, stigmata that's often associated with it and you know puts panic and and terror into the eyes and ears of of people out there new orleans is steeped with mystery and lore uh when you go down there and i know you've visited you and your family have visited new orleans i have yet to make the trip i want to very much one of the things i insisted upon when visiting new orleans is that i wanted to to be at least exposed to the the voodoo culture and i know there's a there's a shop for the life of me i can't remember the name of that shop it, it probably would take just a couple of minutes to look it up but uh my brother-in-law knew where it was he was taking us there we were looking for it 
And and I will say, just strangely enough, as we're looking for this particular shop, and we're not talking about what we're looking for. He's like, oh, I know where we're going. He starts leading us through. And we run into a, a young lady sitting on a street corner. And she looks at my brother-in-law as we're walking by. And she goes, hey, if you're going to that shop, <laughs> like anything you buy, bring back to me. I'll take the curse off of it. Oh. And again, we didn't tell her where, like, she didn't know where we were going. Right. Total so strangers. Weird. Yep. Now, I will say, since I've been to the shop, I believe the movie is Hatchet 2. There's a scene where they go into a voodoo shop. The front door is the shop that I went to. Okay. The exterior shot. Now, the inside shots, a lot bigger than the place I actually went to. So right, right. there's some movie magic there. But it is a real place. And when you go in, it is, it is everything you expect it to be. If, you know, looking at a fully immersed shot. into it, yep. a lot of, uh, you know, little statues, a lot of, I don't know if fetish is the right word, but a little, you know, I mean, there, it has all these different things. And, and I've and been again, told in a lot of those shops, they have actual working altars to, there, there's an to altar the different there and, and with a big sign that, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, please do not touch. Right. Uh, but there is an altar in the back and, and, and it's very interesting shop to just look around. Even if you, even if you're not into that. Yeah, that's one of the things my wife and I, again, we just kind of want to experience that. Um, definitely want to go to the French Quarter. And uh, while I'm not a practitioner, obviously, I, I the history aspect of me, I think I've mentioned that several times. I, I love the history aspect. I want to see Marie Laveau's grave. I want to kind of take in some of that. There's a lot of history there. Now, I did hear on kind of a negative note that Unfortunately, some of the cemeteries are a little unsafe to be in, not because yeah. of the, uh, the the dead or the undead, <laughs> but uh, kind of some of the, the drugs and some different things, the crime. Un- unfortunately, that's that's probably the case. So um, You definitely I, don't want to be there it, at the wrong time of day. It may have been you. Somebody had told me that if you do make that trip, uh, it's it would be much safer and well worth the, the money spent to join one of the, the tours yeah. to go through the cemetery because... Uh, for whatever's going on there, the tours seem to be kind of safe. I don't know if part of the money is going to somebody to say, hey, we're allowed to be here this day and this time or well, whatever. Our, but. our trip to New Orleans was just the little touristy part. And then, you know, we we came home. We didn't spend a lot of time there. We didn't do a lot of tours. Uh, we were sort of limited on the amount of time we had to spend there. So Now, I got to ask, did you pick up any books or anything I, for I, research? I, I or did not. You just no. went, visually took it in, and said, well, I'm walking away. Yeah, no, I went in the shop, and I looked around, and I saw the stuff, and I realized, one, and this goes back to the very first thing that we said after the intro, out of respect, right. I knew that these were not, like, I, I didn't need to buy anything there. That wasn't for me. That wasn't you. It yeah. didn't feel like... To me, it all it, it felt disrespectful, right? And in a That's way, fair enough. And, and I'm not trying to to say that to try to, you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody or anything. It just right. I went in there, I looked at the things, and it was interesting, but it definitely wasn't my culture. It wasn't, you know, it was it it, it felt wrong to want to buy anything. So. Right. Well, I mean, when it, whenever you're visiting different uh, states or whatever, uh, different chapels and different things, you might go in and take it in. But yeah, I mean out of hopefully respect and everybody would have this belief, you know, you, you, it's not your deal, but you still have to respect the history. And and again, voodoo, like I said, I think I imagine this giant tree and the roots and the foundation were, you know, very pure docile. And then unfortunately with the whole slavery ordeal with the 14th through 16th century, these people were just dragged away from their homes and, 
separated, you know, brothers and sisters separated, the families were separated. That, that would be horrific. So you're going to cling to anything that you can. And obviously, I think it would stand to reason you'd reach out to your ancestors and ask them for help at that point in time, if no other time. And then you arrive in America and there's laws and you have eight days to basically be purified and, you know, washed away with uh, Christianity. You're having to take your beliefs and religion and try to keep them alive. Uh, it would be horrible. Well, if colonial America was good at anything, it was trying to tell everybody they all needed to be the same. Right. Brainwashing, definitely. And, and yeah, you know, when you, when you have that culture stripped away from you. I think that is going to have some animosity and, and some negative vibes uh, because of the way it had to be rebirthed. And, and, you know, again, the history part of me, I find all that just, just fascinating. Well, and, and as we get ready to wrap up here, I do want to reiterate, we're not trying to assume that, that we understand what that's like. Uh, you know, we, we, not mean at all. No, we mean no disrespect at all. Uh, we found this to be an interesting topic. A lot of people, I think, would consider voodoo, you know, scary and, and and all that. But, you know, when you do just cursory research at all, voodoo's not scary. No. This is a religion really like any other religion. Uh, it has its beliefs. You know, is there good and bad? Yes. There's, there's good and bad in good everything. Good and bad in everything. Absolutely. All of humanity, you know. So, you know, if, when you have your hunguns that are the, you know practitioners then you have your bokors which they look at as like evil practitioners uh but that that duality exists in mankind i mean it's just who we are yep. human so. nature human nature well we hope that this uh podcast has been uh, enlightening maybe a little bit interesting again as bill said we are by no means professionals in, in this feel free to do your own research and, and dive in as deep as as you wish however we do caution you know Use use caution in anything that you do in any decision in life, and think about what you're doing yeah, before yeah, you just dive you, in. When you're digging into into things like this, definitely depending on what you believe, what you don't believe, just be respectful. Be, be respectful and then practice caution with things you don't understand. Absolutely. Well, thanks once again for joining us for another episode on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri, called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central Missouri area, please check us out. We have two locations. First one is at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. We've also branched out to a second location out at the Heartland Antique Mall, also here in Lebanon. You're going to find all kinds of vintage toys, Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mego, Universal Monsters, all types of gaming, board games, Magic the Gathering. So we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, swing by and check us out. Thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.